Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I give honor and praise to God for this, his power, his strength, his wisdom, and his grace upon my life. I honor and thank Pastor Haynes for this opportunity to speak to you. I honor you, God's people, who are here to hear the word of the Lord. My daughter and my family are here. I want to stand up. We got daughter, son-in-law, granddaughter, got cousins, and we have nephew. God is good. Thank you for family. That's the first unit God made for his message to get across. That's where we're to take it to our family. Um, I honor my husband, Sam. You want to stand up, Sam? God has blessed us in our old age. <laughs> My father, I thank you for this waiting congregation. Please open their eyes that they may see, their ears that they may hear, their hearts that they may understand and be strengthened. Use me, Lord, according to your will. Please turn with me to Acts, the 17th chapter. I'm going to read verses 24 through 27 from the English Standard Bible. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all man life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from every one of us. My subject comes from verse 26. God sets our boundaries according to his purpose. I will extend God's geographical boundaries to include his moral, ethical, and spiritual boundaries. In our scripture text, the Apostle Paul was at Mars Hill, the highest court in Athens. He was taken there by Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who spent their time in doing nothing other but than telling or hearing something new. These philosophers were either atheists, believing that humans existed purely for pleasure, or that the universe has changed, believing that our life is whatever our thoughts make it. Both of these beliefs were far from the gospel that Paul preached. Paul arrived in Athens after having preached in Thessalonica and Berea. His spirit was high because God had mightily used him as he preached in those cities. Many men and women believed the gospel and united with his ministry. You know that excitement you feel when God answers your prayer? Amen. Or how elated and empowered you feel when you say or do something you believe God told you to do and someone is blessed or even accepts Jesus as Savior? Paul was excited, keyed up, geeked, empowered, and charged up for his next assignment. The philosophers asked Paul to elaborate on the strange new doctrine he was preaching. They probably planned to give a little intellectual discussion, hear his theory, debate, 
and give him a little advice and add their opinions to enhance his new doctrine. So what an opportunity. Paul was not in court to be prosecuted or persecuted. He had been given the floor, an open door, to respond on his beliefs. So to him, that meant preach the gospel. So feeling the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this potentially hostile environment, Paul began to speak with boldness before the court. He said, I'm glad you asked, because while in your city, I saw an altar with the sign saying to an unknown God. And that's what I want to talk about. I'm amazed that in this city of Athens, where worship is a religious exercise with many idol gods, that you have also chosen to worship an unknown God, one you are ignorant of, which means he doesn't know you and you don't know him. <laughs> Got a sidebar. Jeremiah gave a profound description of idols, small g gods made with hands in the 10th chapter of Jeremiah. He said, you cut the tree out of the forest with an axe. You deck it with silver and gold, nail it down with hammers so it cannot move. This idol stands tall like a tree, but it can't speak. You have to carry it around because it can't walk. There's no need to fear because it can't do you evil or good. Yet you look to these idols as your source and you bow and worship this tree. But neither your idols or your unknown God form boundaries or standards that guide or protect themselves or you. Paul said, now I want to tell you that God who made the world and all things in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He's spirit. He knows all things, is all powerful, is everywhere, and he cannot be contained in a tree. Unlike your unknown God who can't talk, walk, or sneeze, God who made the world is personable and knows us intimately. He gives everyone life and breath. He's purposeful and methodical. This God created us and set our boundaries by determining our life stance and where we live to accomplish his purpose in us. God's boundaries involve moral, ethical, and spiritual standards that structure our lives. So we have a dilemma because while God invites a relationship with him, his moral and ethical boundaries form a barrier for some, causing them to avoid knowing him. For many generations, actually since the first man, Adam, we want to use our God-given intelligence, ego, and will to be free to do our own thing. When my daughter was a year old, we lived in a house that had a large yard. When she went outside, she would go straight to the street. That's where she wanted to play all the time. She was vulnerable to being hit by a car, kidnapped, getting lost, getting a spanking several times a day. So we had a wire hurricane fence installed thinking she would be happy with all the space where she could run and play. She was just a little thing, walked at nine months, weighed 18 pounds when she was a year old. She could wear her three-month-old dress with some tights and be cute. But after the fence was installed, when she went outside, she would go straight to the gate and pitch a screaming fit. She couldn't get out. Although she could see through the fence, she believed the fence limited her freedom. She saw the fence as a boundary, a limitation of her will, so she despised it. 
She believed like the Epicureans and the Stoics and maybe some Salemites or some visitors today that life is for pleasure to do whatever you want to do or that our thoughts can make our lives whatever we want it to be. But the Apostle Paul said, God who made the world and all things in it gave us boundaries. Boundaries set limitations, guidelines, and parameters for our lives. God told the children of Israel, make a difference between clean and unclean. He tells us in the New Testament that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live solarly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God's boundaries form an enclosure that separates and protects. They set a perimeter by designating what is within what lies without. So those who see this as God limiting their freedom, avoid him. Yes, within God's boundaries, there are things we have to give up, leave, turn away from, and outgrow. But let's look at ourselves without God's moral and ethical boundaries. Jesus said, we are servants of sin. Paul said, I'm carnal, sold into sin. He said, sin deceived me and destroyed me. There's a war within me, like being in the snare of the devil, taken captive at his will. Without God's boundaries, we're left without self-control and a guilty conscience. We're unforgiven and unforgiving. Many are anxious about being caught in their sin and punished. All are spiritually dead and subject to physical death and vulnerable to the devil's control. Now, I'm here to tell you that the boundary set by God who made the world and all things in it actually set you free. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound by the can't help it's like Paul. But after he had an encounter with the Lord, Paul said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Free of fear, free of guilt, and the penalty of sin. The boundaries set by God who created the world and all things in it Provide his presence. When you pass through the waters of affliction, he's with you. The rivers will not overflow you. When you walk through the fiery trials of life, they will not burn you out. He gives you peace of mind in the midst of your storm. Mercy and constancy when you need it. Grace when you don't deserve it. Forgiveness and everlasting life. Then he gives you courage and security to do his bidding. Being surrounded by God's boundaries provide a secret place or a shelter, a refuge and a fortress, an anchor and a rock. We live under his wings or in his right hand. The songwriter said, I found a hiding place from the storm, from the rain, the hurt and the pain. When the billows roll and trouble sweeps over my soul, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. He's my hiding place and it's in his arms. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. There's no place I'd rather be. Now, if you've never experienced it, being surrounded by God's boundaries is like sitting in your car in the midst of a storm. The rain beats down hard. The hail hits the windows. The wind may rock the car, but you are warm and dry, 
listening to the music and waiting for the storm to pass. The psalmist says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is around his people. My daughter never appreciated the wide open space in the huge yard where she could play. She didn't see the hill in the backyard where she could slide and roll down. She didn't notice that she could throw her ball as far as she could and not have to chase it into the street to retrieve it. She didn't even care that she didn't get punished or spanking every day for going into the street. She never appreciated how safe and secure she was from predators, strange dogs, being run over by a car. I pray today that God will open the eyes of your understanding so that you can see and appreciate the safety, the provisions, and the rewards of the boundaries God has put in place for you. Don't fear or resist God's boundaries. Focus on the freedom that comes with your full commitment to God. The scriptures tell us that Jesus gave us, came to give us life more abundantly. And the awesome thing about boundaries is that God has no boundaries. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. God is everywhere, knows everything, has all power. He can find you anywhere, and after he can find you, he'll bring you back. He told Jacob, I will go down with you into Egypt, and surely I will bring you out. His options to help you through your troubled, dark days are unlimited. Refuse to let the enemy create a barrier between you and God because of his boundaries, his standards of righteousness, because the word tells us God's grace is sufficient. It will carry you through. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He has determined your lifespan and your geographical, your moral and ethical boundaries for your good and for his purpose. Geographically, God placed us close enough to drive to Salem. Technologically, God gave us electronic tools, TVs and smartphones to tune into YouTube and Facebook to get to Salem virtually. He has kept you safe and in your right mind so that in this rich environment of gospel truths at Salem, that we should seek God, feel our way toward him, and find him because he's not far from each one of us. God's boundaries can be your resting place and your safety net too. So Paul said God is a spirit and can't be touched by man. So how does one get into his boundaries? All the people in this whole wide world belong to God. He created us. He said it's good. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden within God's boundaries where they loved, honored, and respected God. When they sinned, God put them out of the garden and their quality relationship of mutual respect and honor died. It ended. Everybody born since then has been born not knowing God and having inherited a debt of sin and its penalty of death. But God so loved the world, the people he created, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, not have to die to pay the debt for their sin, but have everlasting life. 
God created a pathway back to a relationship with him within the boundaries and under the umbrella of the body of Christ where Jesus is the head. Entry is placed on believing that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for your sins. He was buried and he rose from the grave and he went to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father to be our high priest. Jesus, the unspeakable gift of God to mankind, gives us entrance into his boundaries. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. The psalmist said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord while in the land of the living. Jesus will carry you through the tough times on earth. He is preparing a place for us where one day he will return to take those encompassed within his boundaries to live with him forever. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today. Shake the shackles off your feet. That's my prayer every day when I'm every Sunday standing out there. My prayer is that somebody can shake those shackles that bind you, that tie you down, make you stay in your seat, make you think I can make it one more week. I can make it by myself. I don't need him. But shake those shackles off your feet. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Step into his boundaries today. Being in his boundaries is similar to going through the gates of Disneyland. You can swipe your card and walk through the gate and stand inside the gate and say, I made it to Disneyland. Or... You can walk throughout the park, experience the benefits of the rides, the stores, the restaurants, the movies, and the shows. Today, you can shake the pastor's hand and be saved and make it to heaven, living just inside God's boundaries. Or you can be saved, fully surrender to him, trust him, grow to maturity, experiencing the joys of God's boundaries, living and reaping his promises. My pastor in Detroit used to say, when you don't commit and mature in the Lord and experience his promises, you are living beneath your privilege. I encourage you to step to Jesus, accept and enter into his boundaries today. He's not far from you. You can get close to God to the point that you can feel him. God bless you. Now is the time for you to make a decision. Now is the time of salvation. Christ has opened a door for you to step into his boundaries, into his protection, under his umbrella. That when he comes again, he's not coming as that loving Jesus we know today. He's coming back as a judge to judge every one of us. And what have we done every time we had the the opportunity to step up to him? What did we do? What was our decision at that time? I heard somebody say the other day that the the torture in hell is going to be regret. To remember all the times you had an opportunity and didn't. All those times. I want you to just think about it today. Just think about it. Give the Lord your heart today. He's the God of our salvation. He will never leave you. He will be there to protect you. He will guide your steps. He will order your steps. He will put you in the position that when he comes back, you are poised and ready to be taken with him. 
that's our goal in life. You know, that's all that we want in life to be with Jesus. Jesus made a way. He made the way. He opened the door. God wanted us to have a past pathway back to him. That's why he gave us Jesus. You know, don't use your intelligence God gave you, your ego, all your smartness. He gave it to you for you to worship him. Don't use it for yourself like the Epicureans and the Stoics. The door. Now is the time of salvation. Don't let it be said too late. woman this morning. Let's bless God how he spoke through her. Amen. How she spoke a word of liberty and freedom to us. Amen. 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 We thank God for the woman of God this morning. Come on, let's bless the Lord in this place. God sent us a mighty word, a mighty word. There are boundaries. Amen. In the name of Jesus. 
Amen, amen. As they continue to play, we just thank God. If there's someone here this morning who wants to come down for prayer, this is our moment of altar call. The Bible says, cast the whole of your cares upon the Lord because he careth for you. We serve a mighty God. The Bible tells us that even before we ask him, he answers our prayers. So if there's someone this morning and you're in need of prayer, just want to come and just say thank you to God. This is your moment that right now. As we stand for our altar call. Father God, we come to you now, Lord God. We come, Lord God, acknowledging our meekness, our lowliness, our inability to live this life without you, God. We come to you, Lord God, with humble hearts, humble spirits, Father God, lowly and meek in your presence, Father, because we want to honor you for who you are, God. Lord God, you sit high, high in the heavens, up upon your throne, Lord God. But, but Lord, you don't think in robbery, Lord God, to look down lower, Lord God, and, and, and send your vessels, Lord God, to dwell amongst us. We thank you, Lord God, for your spirit, the Holy Spirit that inhabits this place, Lord God, inhabits these vessels, inhabits these souls, Lord God. You promise in your word that you send the Holy Ghost to be a comforter, Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for being true to your promise, oh God. Lord God, as we come before you, Lord God, we're, we're coming in prayer, Lord God, but the truth is the Holy Spirit has already prayed in moanings and groanings that man cannot understand, God. We're coming, Lord God, to agree with your yes, Father. Lord God, as those have gathered at the altar, Lord God, those that are listening on the YouTubes and the internet, Father God, we, we pray, Lord God, that you would just acknowledge your presence within their homes, Lord God. We, we thank you, Lord God, that you dwell in us, Father. And Father God, we just come simply to agree with your yes, Lord God. There are blessings that are ordained for our lives, Father God. And Lord God, whether we're in the mountaintop or in the valley, Lord God, Lord, you're preparing us for the next blessing, God. And so God, we just thank you, Lord God, for the strength that you're bestowing upon us, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for the wisdom that you're giving us. We're thanking you, Lord God, for increase in obedience, God. We thank you, Lord God, for increasing our understanding, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for creating in us a thirst for your word, oh God, a thirst for your spirit, oh God. Lord, we want to live more like your Father. We want to look like more like you, Lord God. We want to be hidden behind the cross that Jesus died for us for. Lord, we want to be more like you, God. And Lord God, as we 
become more like you, Lord God. We're, we're, we're getting prepared, Lord God, to not only receive blessings, but to be blessings, God. Pray, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to be a blessing to that, that soul that's having a bad day, Father. To be a blessing, Lord God, to speak a word, Lord God. Give a smile, Lord God, when, when someone is feeling low, Father God. Doing something for somebody that, that we don't have to use, Father God, that we don't need, Father. Being nice just because nice is the nice thing to do. God, we just thank you, Lord God, for change and transformation that dwells on the inside, Lord God. Do a new thing in us, oh God. A new thing, Lord God, that it exhibit a new praise, Lord. Lord God, when we act outside of our normal character, Lord God, when, when we act outside of the, the characters that's around us, Father God, when we stand out and be peculiar people, Lord, we're giving you a praise, Lord God. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for your anointing, Lord God, that destroys the yokes, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for your yoke that is easy, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for you doing a spirited trade with us, Lord God. You said that I'll give you beauty for your ashes. Lord, there are some things that are burned down in our lives, Father God. But Lord, you may burning them down, Lord God, because you're going to build us back up, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for sending rain in our seasons, Lord God. When, when we have famines in our lives, Father God, Lord, you're going to send grain into our storehouses. God, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, because we are unworthy vessels, Father. Lord, you said that we are worthy. We are justified by our faith in you, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you for all that you do because you do it because you simply just want to. And nobody can disobey your sovereignty. When you say it is so, so it is, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, for your mighty word towards us, Father. For keep on choosing us over and over and over again. God, we just thank you and over and over again Lord we praise you over and over and over again Lord we glorify you because you're worthy Lord God you're worthy Lord God how in the world Lord God do you keep on choosing us why in the world do you keep on choosing us just because you want to God and so God we just thank you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, Father. And so, God, we, we thank you, God, for being both mighty and matchless. There's nobody like you, nobody that compared to you, Lord God, nobody that can be as good to us, Father God, nobody that can love on us, Father God, nobody that can teach us, Lord God, nobody that can heal us, Lord God, nobody that can deliver us, Lord God, nobody can do these things like you, God. So help us, Lord, to stop looking on earthly things to try to fulfill the void that only you can fill. God, we just thank you, Lord God, for your anointing, for your gifting, for you choosing us just one more time. And we thank you in advance for doing it again tomorrow. We thank you, we love you, and we adore you, oh God. It's in the mighty and the matchless name of Christ Jesus that we do pray and ask it all. Amen and amen.
Thank you, Jesus. On behalf of our honorable pastor, the Reverend Dr. Richard B. Haynes, and our executive pastor, Reverend Jason Haynes, we want to thank our visitors who are with us for the first time, and we pray that you all will consider Salem and that you would come back and worship with us because Salem is considered as one of God's greatest churches. Amen. And if you're looking for a church home, welcome home. We also want to thank our membership and those for their continued givings in their tithes and their offerings. And if there's those here today who want to give, there are receptacles on my left and to my right as you exit the building. We ask that you would continue to pray for the sick and shut-in and those that are bereaved. Again, I want to kindly remind you to meet Pastor Hain at the Pleasant Hill Baptist Church on this coming Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Amen. 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 We've had a blessed time in the Lord. May we stand to our feet for our benediction. God be with you until we meet again. who want to consider the school of ministry in the foyer. May the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth and forevermore. And the church says... to submit your tithe and offering online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give on cash app at dollar sign the church with zeal via the givelify app by mail to salem missionary baptist church p.o box 817 lilburn georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, GiveLify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.